Well, it's time to study God's Word, so open your Bibles to Ephesians 5 yet one more time. Today we look at chapter 5, verses 22 to 24. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. What does God say to husbands and wives how to have a successful and blessed marriage? It's summed up in verses 22 to the end of the chapter. And this morning we'll look at what God says to the wives. Next week, what he says to the husbands. Verse 22 says, wives, submit. And actually in the Greek, that's transposed from the previous verse, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So here, God gives us several examples of submission. First, wives to the husbands. Next, children to their parents. And thirdly, he says, slaves to their masters. Today, that would mean employees to their employers. So we'll look at those week by week. Now, this is not out of date. It was written almost 2,000 years ago to these Ephesian Christians, but it applies to American Christians today, Chinese Christians tomorrow. It's universal and throughout history, it's to Christians, but not just Christians. God's rules for marriage applies even to non-Christians, and if they practice it, it will be blessed. And so we're talking about married couples, not same-sex unions. The Bible condemns that, forbids it in the strongest possible terms. It's perversion. This does not apply to that because that is not true marriage. What does God say? Not do what the polls say, what you see on TV, internet, social media, not what your grandmother said unless she was godly and knew her Bible. It's not a matter of personal opinions, but what does God say? And praise the Lord, God does say everything that is necessary in his word. Now, in these three cases of wives and husbands, children and parents, employees and employers, it's the same pattern. And we see it also in Colossians and in 1 Peter 3. And the pattern is this. First, God starts with a prime directive. You that have been in the military know what that means. It's the main thing you never forget. And then that's followed by an explanation. And then how it applies to both sides. First the wives and then the husbands and then so on with the children and the parents. And it gives the mutual duties of each one. For example, with children and the parents, it's not just the children but the parents. And if they both do their job, successful family. When a problem arises, husbands and wives need to go back to their respective prime directive. When a problem arises, go back to it. God's way always works. 
and problems will come along in marriage. But if they continue and get worse, it's because the prime directives are not being honored. Sometimes it's the wife or the husband or too frequently both of them. They both have to do what God tells them, and that's how you strengthen a marriage. But you weaken a marriage by not obeying your prime directives. Also, you could say that each of the spouses needs to know what God says to the other one. Husbands need to know what God says to the wives. Wives need to know what God says to the husbands. And then work together. It works if you work at it. Both spouses need to do that. So today we're looking at very briefly what God says to the wives. You husbands are going to be listening in, but this is mainly for the wives. And I guess you could also say the singles here that hope to become wives one day. So we begin with these three verses, but we'll be looking at some other important ones. Now this is a big subject, but I'm going to hit the high points from God's word. Wives, what is your prime directive from God? What's the main thing? He tells us here in verse 22, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now as I said, the word submit or be subject to is taken over from the previous verse. It means to submit, to be in subjection to. The Greek word is hupostasso, which means to be under something. And in secular Greek, it was often used in the military. We have military people here in our church. Yesterday, we celebrated Veterans Day, and we thank God for those that wore the uniform in combat or out of combat. And everybody puts on the uniform, learns a couple of basic rules. You salute anybody that's wearing brass, and you obey anybody that's wearing stripes. You are under their authority, and you show them obedience and respect. They have the authority. God uses that word in marriage. He has given the authority to the husband, not to the wife, and it's not a democracy where they both equally have the authority. Wives need to realize that God has given that authority to the husband. It's not a democracy. What if it was a democracy? Because people say that. They say, well, they have equal authority, but what if an issue comes up and they disagree? You have a stalemate. You actually, that's where you have friction when neither one wants to give in. It's a tug of war and arguing, and then the voices get raised, and it doesn't get resolved. Besides, if it was a democracy, and you have a tie vote, who breaks the tie? The children? No, certainly not. God has given the authority to the husbands, and wives need to realize that. So it's not a democracy, nor is it anarchy, where each one does whatever he or she wants to do. That's a recipe for a breakdown of marriage when they do whatever they want to, regardless of what the other one wants. Wives need to acknowledge that God has given that authority to your husband. Ask yourself, ladies, are you obeying God's command here? Are you submitting to your husband? And you may say, why should I? Because God says so, and it's for your good. When you step outside of this, problems will increase. When you obey this, the problems will be resolved. Ask yourself, am I truly submitting to him or am I rebelling? This is a command. 
God is not simply giving advice. Notice it's a command. And if a command is disobeyed, what do you call that? Sin. It's not a minor thing where you say, well, I'm just disobeying my husband. I'm not submitting to him. That is sin according to the Bible. And if you're sinning, you need to repent and then apologize to your husband and then have a fresh start with obeying God. Now, as I said, this injunction is found several times in the New Testament in various ways. Let me read you a couple of them. Here's one that some of you wives already know, Titus chapter 2, where it's addressed to men and women. Interesting, he starts in verse 3 with the older women. He says, I would that the older women, that they would be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to wine. They are teachers of good things. That they would admonish the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their husbands so that the word of God may not be blasphemed. So there's a place for older wives teaching younger wives how to obey and submit to their husbands as well as loving their children and so forth. So what this tells us is that this is a loving submission and obedience. Your submission, ladies, tells your husband how much you love him. And if you do not submit, you can say all you want to, but when you do not submit and do not obey properly, you're telling him you really don't love him. By the way, this works in reverse with husbands, as we will see next week. So if you do not submit, you're showing you really don't love him. A husband shows his love by sacrificing for the wife, as we'll see next week. She shows her love by submitting to him. By the way... He is to have the heavier burden by sacrificing. To whom does she sacrifice? She is not to sacrifice for the husband. She sacrifices for the children. And you loving mothers know what that's like. Why do you get up in the middle of the night when that baby's crying and so forth? And it's not because you feel like it. It's because you love that child and you sacrifice a good night's sleep for that child. You don't do that for the husband. The husband sacrifices for you. You show your love for him by submitting to his leadership. And that's not a grudging submission. Some wives will say, well, I guess I'll do it because I have to because God says so. No, no, that's the wrong attitude. That's wrong submission. It should be a loving, willing submission. Go back to Ephesians, we find another example of how this is to be done at the end of the chapter. Verse 33, nevertheless, each, let each one of you in particular, so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. That's also part of the prime directive. It could be translated to honor him. Now, literally in the Greek is to fear him. But as we'll see in 1 Peter, that doesn't mean dread of violence or fear that he's going to hurt you. No, because it says over in Peter, without that kind of fear. When it says respect here, that means comparable to the kind of godly fear a Christian has for God. We're not afraid he's going to send us to hell. He saved us. But we respect him with great reverence. A wife is to show respect to her husband like that. 
Now, I alluded to 1 Peter 3, so let's turn over there. Some of you may have already memorized these verses. We've already read them a moment ago. 1 Peter 3, verses 1 to 6, is addressing wives. Then the next verse talks about the husbands. Wives, verse 1. Likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. There's the prime directive again. So that even if some of them do not obey the word, meaning the word of God, they without a word, that is a word from you, may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, that is by respect. Then he mentions about True beauty is not what you wear, but rather the hidden person of the heart. Skip down to verse 5 now. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. And then Paul gives the illustration of Sarah, the wife of Abraham, says that she called him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good, and they're not afraid with any terror. We'll look at verse 7 next week. What he's saying here is you submit by showing respect. Doesn't mean you literally have to call him Lord or Sir. Sarah did that speaking to someone else and said, My Lord Abraham, he's the authority, and I respect him even if he is not here. Show respect to your husband, don't diss him. Don't insult him. Don't mock him to his face or behind his back because that's showing insubordination. Don't disrespect him. No backtalk such as, you're no good. You never account for anything. I wish I had never married you. That is sin. That is wickedness. Unfortunately, some wives resort to that. A man might resort to his fists. A woman will resort to what she has, her tongue, and will know how just how to tear him down and to insult him. Don't ever do that. No henpecking over and over and over and over again. Now, some wives will object and say, but my husband doesn't deserve my respect. He has to earn it. Wrong. Your duty is to show respect. His duty is to be respectful, and it's up to God to deal with him in that. Like I said in the Army, everybody here that's ever been in the Army will say, you salute the uniform, not the man. The man might be a bad man. He might curse and break all sorts of rules, but if he's got brass like your captain, you salute the uniform. Wives, you respect your husband, and by doing that, that will help him to be a respectful man. As it says here, not by tearing him down, but by building him up. And it says here, without a word. In other words, not nagging or henpecking or insulting. It's kind of like grace. You know what grace is? It's love that is not deserved. God shows us grace. We're certainly not deserving of that. He loves us anyway. Wives, respect your husband anyway, and then let God deal with him. Let me use this analogy. It's going to touch somebody's heart, might touch stuff on your toes. Some wives show more respect to their boss at work 
than they do to their husband at home. And press them on that and say, why? And if they're honest, they'll say, if I disrespect my boss at work, I'm going to be fired. But I can do that at home. You keep doing that at home, you might ruin your marriage. Which is more important? Your job or your marriage? Who's more important, your boss or your husband? If you, do, if you show respect at work, how much more should you do it at home? Next point is learn to apologize. In fact, that's a golden secret for healing all marriage problems. A husband and wife must learn to apologize when they're wrong and forgive the other person when he or she apologizes. And don't go to sleep at night and turn off the light until you've done both of them. And that's a mark of a successful marriage. I've heard couples say, we learned immediately long ago apologize and forgive. By the way, sometimes it's harder to do one than the other. But if one apologizes and the other doesn't forgive, there's a problem. Unfortunately, some women have never learned how to apologize. You know, there's a feminist bad logic and bad advice that says to a younger woman, Honey, never apologize, even if you know you're wrong and he's right. Never apologize or you've just become his doormat. That's wicked. That's the voice of Satan. We should always apologize to our spouse, our parents, a friend, a boss, anybody. We need to apologize and mean it. We need to forgive and mean it. Husbands and wives. Another key word is obedience. Titus 2.5, being obedient to their husbands. How many of you remember what you vowed when you stood at the altar in front of a preacher? You vowed before God Almighty to love, honor, and obey. You may have taken that vow many, many years ago, but God still remembers it. Are you keeping it, ladies? Do you still obey? Or you say, well, that was just during the first year in the honeymoon period, but not now. Nope. You vowed to always love and honor and obey. And that doesn't mean, well, I'll obey, obey him if I feel like it. You obey him anyway. You obey the policeman even if you don't feel like it, right? You better. You should obey, just like children should obey their parents even if they don't feel like it. Back to Ephesians, he says, do these things in everything. Now, there are exceptions to that when you compare scripture with scripture. For example, if that husband of yours commands you to do something that God forbids, or he forbids something that God commands, you cannot obey him. You must not. That would be disobedience to God. You know, the apostles faced that when they Pharisees said to them, shut up, don't preach about this Jesus anymore. We command you. We're the authorities. And Peter stepped forward and said, we must obey God rather than men. Oh, he respected them, but he said, we respect and obey God more. In the same way, wives, if your husband tells you to lie, to steal, or do anything that God forbids, you have to respectfully say, I have to obey God and not you. What if your husband says, I'm not a Christian, and I forbid you to go to that church or to read your Bible to pray? 
You have to say, I have to obey God, not you. You're making an appeal above his head, just like you do in the army. If the sergeant says something, you can go to the lieutenant, you can go to the captain, all the way up to the general. Learn how to make an appeal to God in prayer and to know what he says, and you will obey God first. Remember, Jesus said, he that loves husband or wife more than me is not worthy of me. God comes first. And so there are exceptions, but the general rule is laid down here. Submit to him in everything. Now, some have misunderstood this and said, well, I will obey a sinful command and let him answer to God. No, that's not an excuse. Your husband will answer to God, but if he tells you to sin and you sin, you can't say, well, God understands. Yeah, God does understand. And to say, well, I was just obeying him, you were imitating those Nazis at the Nuremberg trials that kept saying, I was only obeying orders. And the judges say there is such a thing as an illegal order. So you cannot say, well, I obeyed my husband when he told me to lie on the taxes or steal some groceries. No. Husbands must only command what is acceptable to God. Otherwise, they are bringing sin into the family. You could translate this in a paraphrase. Submit to your husbands in everything within the sphere of his delegated authority, but not outside of that. Where do you know to draw the line? The Bible. Now, here's another way, kind of when we were saying, don't disrespect your husband. Women, don't nag your husband. You can make a request and leave it there, but don't just keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. No man likes to be nagged. I can hear silent amens from the men here. But some women will say, how else can I get him to do something? I keep nagging and eventually say, okay, just to get the peace, I'll do it. That's the wrong attitude. Look at 1 Peter 3 again, with quiet submission. And God will honor that. How can you get him to do something? Quietly submit. Ladies, no man likes to be nagged. <clears throat> when you are nagging your husband, you're not imitating Sarah. You're imitating Delilah. You remember? Samson, what's the, what's the secret of your strength? She kept nagging over and over and didn't give him any peace, and he eventually gave in, and look what happened. Don't imitate Delilah. You know, I was counseling a couple many years ago in another city, and their marriage was just about to break down, and they were really going at it, hammering tongs, yelling, blaming the other one. It's all his fault. No, it's all her fault. Neither one apologized. Neither one admitted it. And I could tell the wife was very insubmissive, very disobedient, very disrespectful, and I made a note of that. A little bit later... I said, by the way, how are things with the kids? And the wife said, they're always disrespecting me. They're never obeying, and they're always nag, nag, nag. Where did they get that from? And I said, lady, they got it from you. They're learning by your bad example. Remember that, ladies, your children are watching. And then I said to this lady, God wants you to submit to your husband and show him respect as you want your children to do to you, that's the order. Husbands to, wives to the husbands, children to the parents. 
But if you're not doing it properly with your husband, you are actually teaching your children to be disobedient to you and to God and so forth. Remember that. Here's another thing for wives to show their submission to their husbands. 1 Corinthians 14 says he does not allow women to speak in church. That's why we don't approve of women preachers. The Bible does say that they can teach other women and to teach children. But it says in 1 Corinthians 14 to be silent in church. And if they want to learn anything, ask their husbands at home. Interesting. Ask them at home. That means you husbands, you better be willing and able to answer their questions from the Bible. We'll talk about that next week. But wives need to be teachable and listen to their husbands. This is paralleled in 1 Timothy chapter 2, 11 to 15, where Paul says, I do not give women the authority to have authority or to teach in the church, but to be quiet. Just like you want your children to be quiet and listen to you when you teach them. You say, no, stop interrupting. Listen, I'm teaching you. Women need to be teachable to their husbands and, of course, primarily to God. And 1 Timothy 2 also says to learn to be in quiet submission. Now, there are those that will say those verses from Corinthians and Timothy don't apply to us. They say, that was just for that culture then, not ours today. Uh-uh. First off, this is the word of God. It's transcultural. But Paul doesn't appeal to culture. First Timothy 2, he explicitly appeals to creation, not culture, by pointing to the example of Adam and Eve. He says, first off, uh, Adam was created first before Eve, and secondly, she sinned before he did, and then she tempted him, and he draws the conclusion, therefore, women are not to teach their husbands or in the church but to be in quiet submission. Interesting logic. He says it was like this at the beginning, God's ideal. God brought Adam and Eve together, and God created them differently. You are different. Of course, that gives the lie to this whole transgender nonsense. God made you a man. God made you a woman. There's nothing in between. There's a big difference. And as they say in France, vive la différence. You enjoy that difference. Your differences bring out your strengths and your weaknesses. Know the differences between husbands and wives. That's why it quotes here in Ephesians later in the chapter, those verses from Genesis about God's creating Adam and Eve, and that it says because of this reason, they will leave their father and mother and be cleaved to their husbands and wives. Cleave means to be glued together. But you have to know the differences. Some of you have benefited from the great ministry of the late Elizabeth Elliot. You remember her husband was a missionary martyr. Many years ago, she wrote an interesting book called Let Me Be a Woman, and it was a series of letters to her daughter, Valerie. And Valerie was dating a man that wanted to marry her, and so Elizabeth would say, now, Valerie, um, Walt is a nice guy, and learn this, but she kept saying, now, remember, he is not another woman. He's not thinking and feeling like you. You have to learn that at the beginning. And later, Walt and Valerie did get married. I think they had eight kids. And by the way, Walt was a very good friend of mine at that time. But the lesson was learn the differences and learn your respective prime 
directives. That's where younger women can learn from the older women. Now, someone will object and say, all this about submitting to your husband puts all the load on the wife and not the husband. You're giving him a blank check to treat you like a slave. No. We'll address that next week. The husband may be in authority, but he is not a little dictator and cannot resort to violence. We'll actually see that the heavier load is on the husband. He is to sacrifice, she is to submit. Back to the illustration from Adam and Eve, you know the story. They were happy in the garden, and God said, eat of the trees except that one. Satan was hanging around that tree, and along comes Eve, and he tempted her. She fell, and then she tempted Adam, and he fell. Ladies, don't do Satan's work for him. Don't tempt your husband. Just like husbands should not give unbiblical commands, wives should not give unbiblical temptations to the husband, trying to encourage him to do something wrong. And then when Adam and Eve sinned, God leveled a punishment upon each one of them in a different way. Husbands, now you're going to have to work hard in the field. Adam, you once worked in the garden. It's going to be in the fields. Hard work. What about the wives? It says, Eve, you'll be having pain and childbearing, but also says something very interesting in 3.16. It says that you will have this urge, this desire for your husband. It's not talking about affection. It's talking about an urge to disobey, to disrespect, to come out from his authority. And the word is used later in chapter 4, verse 7, referring to this urge that a certain animal has to prey upon another animal. It's the same word used in Hebrew elsewhere of a lion crouching, waiting to jump upon a deer or a rabbit or something else. Sometimes a wife is like that, just waiting for an opportunity to pounce upon the husband, and the husband will say, I don't even want to go home anymore. I feel like the moment I walk in, the wife's going to jump all over me. That's wrong. He should come home. But she shouldn't be willing and waiting to pounce upon him. That kind of rebellion is sinful. And a wife has that tendency she needs to take under control and give it to God. Just like the husband has that tendency to be overbearing and domineering. He needs to get that under control and give it to God. Also we learn from the creation account, God created Adam and Eve to be different Eve was to be his helper. You know, this is often overlooked. Jesus said, as it was at the beginning. That's what Paul says. You can learn from Adam and Eve. Eve was created to be his helper in the garden. Wives, God wants you to be the helper in whatever God, garden God has put your husband in. At work, at the home, whatever it is, to be the helper. And then it becomes a good thing. Here's another lesson, 1 Corinthians 7, 14. According to that verse, this is chapter 7, verse 4, it says the wife's body does not belong to her but to her husband. And then it immediately says, but the husband's body doesn't belong to him but to the wife. A wife cannot say, it's my body, not yours, and I'll do what I want to. And unfortunately, some of them misuse it for selfish manipulation 
withholding certain affection and intimacy or even to punish him, that's wrong. That's insubordinate. Your body belongs to your husband. His belongs to you. And both of your bodies belong to God. So what do you do? You take care of each other's body with health, good food, and comfort. When your spouse is hurting. Now, you mothers will take care of your babies, but you also need to comfort your husband when he's sick. Not just go and bring the groceries and that, but to sit with him. Ladies, every man knows this lesson. Nobody can comfort a man like a woman. Whether it's his mother and especially his wife. That's good medicine. Comfort him. And then also take care of him. Such as in old age. I am moved to tears when I think of some of the women in this church. Been married 30, 40, 50, one of 60 years. And the wife cares for the husband with dementia, Alzheimer's, other such things. She is loving him to the end. And I know others, it's the husband taking care of the wife. That's true love. Notice it also says in Ephesians, you do these things as to the Lord. What does that mean? Two things. A wife submits to the husband like Christians are to submit to Christ. Now we'll have a whole lesson on the typology of how a good marriage is an illustration of Christ in the church. But you model that, as it were, to others by submitting to your husband. You are illustrating how Christians submit to Christ. But also, secondly, when it says submit to your husband as to the Lord, that basically means this. You obey him and submit to him because God says so. And it's for your good. Do it. Parallel verse in Colossians 3.18 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. In the Lord, it is fitting. What does that mean? It fits. God made men and women different, just like right hand, left hand, so they fit together. Like this, not like this, with fists. It fits. When you submit, when he sacrifices and loves, it fits. Or as one person said, when you do it right, it's a little bit of heaven on earth. But if you do it wrong, it's a lot of hell on earth. When you do it right, it fits. Like you've heard the expression, you know, the glove fits. Or if the shoe fits, wear it. But when you don't do it properly, it's like putting the shoe on the wrong foot and you're going to walk around. It just, it just doesn't fit. It fits when wives submit to their husbands and the husbands love the wives. Very briefly, what are the worst examples that a wife could do in not submitting to her husband. Three of them in particular rise to the top when she commits adultery. That's like a stabbing into the heart of the marriage and of that husband and it becomes grounds for divorce. And the second worst thing is unbiblical divorce. If she divorces the husband without biblical warrant, that is gross insubordination. And of course, the worst would be where not only he turns to violence, but she turns to murder. These are the extreme examples. Verse 23, back in Ephesians, it says, You do this because 
He is the head, like Christ is the head over his body, the church, uh, Christians. And I like to put it like this. In fact, I put it in the wedding ceremony that I performed for some of you here today. And I look at the wife and say, he is your head. But you are the heart. A woman has a greater capacity for affection and love than even men. Men admit it. Your wife can be much more affectionate than you can be. We're like clods of dirt and she's like a very tender heart. What happens in a body when the heart doesn't obey the head? You have a stroke. You have a disability. But when the head and the heart work together like that, it's a healthy body. Same thing within a marriage. When the heart, the woman, submits to the head, the husband, it's working properly. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord in everything. Unfortunately, some wives say they submit, but the husband knows she really doesn't. They say it, but talk is cheap. And they'll even swear, I am submitting. But it's like the little boy that was punished by the mother and said, and the mother said, go and sit in the corner. No television, no radio, no computer, no cell phone, nothing. Just sit there. And he goes there and sits there very like this, you know. And she looks at him and says, are you sitting? Yes, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. Someone will say, I do submit, but deep down on the inside, they're not. And I've known cases like that that will swear on a stack of King James Bibles that they are submissive, but it's obvious they're not. Some wives seem very godly and submissive at church. Are they like that at home? Not necessarily. Sometimes in counseling it comes out and the husband will say, she looks like little Miss Perfect in front of you now. You ought to see her at home. She's disrespectful, disobedient, complete. And by the way, I've heard wives say that about their husbands. We'll get to that next week. Are you obeying this both at home and at church? And if not, you need to repent to God. And you need to apologize to your husband and perhaps even to the children. And then have a fresh start and say, with God's help, I'm going to be what God says a wife should be. Now let me apply all this to another group of women in this church, the single women. And the girls that hope to become wives one day. You need to learn these lessons before you get married. For example, let's say you're already of marriageable age. And there's a man showing interest in you. You're a Christian. Maybe he's a Christian too. And he's beginning to court you. And you're wondering, maybe this is going to end up in marriage. Ask yourself, does he have that character and maturity that once we're married... I can lovingly submit to very easily. And if you can't, don't marry a man that you cannot submit to. Learn this. Learn from your mothers about this. And men, don't marry a woman who is not willing to submit to you or you are inviting problem even on the honeymoon. Now all of this that I've said from God's word is directly against the false wisdom of the world. Am I right? 
This will be looking like so old-fashioned, chauvinistic, and they'll laugh at this. They'll outlaw it. They'll cancel us for this. But it's God's way, and it's works, and it's good for us. It pleases him. And when you do this properly, you'll find out it pleases you. It pleases your husband. It works. This is God's plan for a happy, successful, godly marriage. Can you think of good examples that you know? For example, it says in Titus, older women teach the younger women. Do you younger women know older women? You can go to advice for advice. Please do. We have many in this church that are mothers, grandmothers. They can sit down with you and give you good advice. Go to them. If they were to teach you, you were to go to them and listen to them. That's why, for example, I rejoice that there's this new women's fellowship group developing. That's where you can get together and not gossip or nag about your husband, but you can learn from one another and encourage one another. So can you think of good examples to imitate? Can you think of bad examples to avoid? I've got so much more I could say, but let me recommend one of our handouts. In the, we've got handouts on everything out there. This is written by a godly woman entitled... I want to model submission in marriage. I do recommend it. It's in one of the shelves next to the nursery. When a wife truly and lovingly submits to her husband, she is exemplifying how a Christian willingly and lovingly submits to Christ. That's the whole point of Ephesians 5. Do this as we are to do this to Christ, and husbands are to sacrifice and love for the wife like Christ does for us. You are exemplifying, you're modeling how a Christian submits to Christ. That glorifies God. It causes the angels in heaven to rejoice. It gives a good example to the children. But if it's not done, it's going to hurt your testimony. You try witnessing to a relative, workmate, neighbor, and all the while you're the cause of disobedience to your husband they're not going to listen to you because they're going to say, you say you're a Christian. Doesn't the Bible say something about respecting your husband? But if you do it properly, it's a good testimony to unbelievers. And who knows, maybe some unbelievers will come to you and say, my marriage is falling apart. You've got a good, healthy marriage. What's the secret? Be ready to tell them. Lastly, it says here, Christians are the bride of Christ. Are you a Christian? I mean a real Christian. If you're a real Christian, you are a bride of Christ and you are in submission to him. But if you're still an unbeliever, you're not the bride of Christ. You're still his enemy. But you can be his bride. Repent of your sins. Believe in Jesus. And the Bible says when you believe, you are first adopted by God the Father and you are also betrothed to God the Son. And it's like in a wedding. When I perform a wedding, I'll say to the woman, do you promise to love, honor, and obey till death you do part? And she'll say, I do. I put it to you if you're an unbeliever. The Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, proposes spiritual marriage to you. And he asks you to say, I do. I will believe in him. I will submit to his lordship. Willingly, lovingly. Will you say, I do, 
to the Lord Jesus. May the Lord apply his word this morning to all the ladies here. And next week, we'll see what the Bible says is the prime directive for the husbands. Let us pray. Father, your word is so different from what we see in the world. Help us to know what you say and to obey it for your glory and for our good. We pray for the wives in our church and other wives that we know that you would bless them. In Jesus' name, amen.